And you're probably wondering what I'm doing. <laughs> Today we're doing graduate recognition during the 925 and the 1040, but not this hour. <laughs> so I'm getting rid of that. Anyhow, but there you go. It's a uh, it's kind of fun to do that every now and then and put that thing on. And really, the main time, main time I ever wear that thing anymore is when I have a really, really formal wedding because I don't have any of those suits anymore. So I just put a robe on. Folks, we are in God's set it. We are reading the Bible through this year from Genesis to Revelation. We are reading it from January to December. And whatever passage falls on Sunday is what we look at on Sunday. So today we are in Job chapter 16 and the, the short little passage that I've chosen are verses, verses 1 through 5. And, and the reason we're doing this is because uh, God has spoken. A lot of folks will, will say that, you know, God kind of rolled the ball down the hill and stepped back, but, but that's just not the evidence that we see specifically based on, on, on look at creation around us. What holds it together? You know, God spoke everything that we see into existence. God said, let there be light, light. Let there be trees, trees, fish, birds. God spoke it all into existence, right? He formed us from the dust of the ground, right? So we have God's spoken word all around us. We have God's written word. God has spoken. This is the written word of God. It's not that it just contains the word of God. God didn't call you to be the editor. You don't get to redact the parts you don't like or that culture and society say don't fit anymore. This is the word of God. Don't miss it, all right? And finally, we have the living Word of God, which is Jesus Christ. And that is the constant that, that, that just sort of moves from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We just see Jesus in all of it. If, if the, the Bible points to God's redemptive plan. All right? So, so God said it. And in that, we begin with Genesis, and I've had the little picture for the last few weeks. If you hadn't got a copy, let us know. We'll get you a copy. But you've got creation, and then you've got the fall, which is the sin and the corruption and the confusion and chaos that goes along with it. Then you've got this couple, Abraham and Sarah, and you've got this covenant and this promise, which from Abraham and Sarah, you have this family, and then you have this people group right from this people group god god forms and shapes the nation and if you ever pay attention to the exodus story what you see is the shaping of god's people into a nation based on their worship i mean what was different and significant about the people of god of abraham's family of the nation of israel was their worship was that they honored god they worshiped god god was in their midst and in their you know he was present with them then you've got them asking for a king because all the nations around them had a king and god said no you don't want that but yeah they did so they got a king and most of yeah some of them were okay and just okay uh, most of them were just not and yet when we see the figure of the king of israel it it points to and reminds us of the king of kings which is Jesus himself, and we have a Savior, and the people become this body of Christ, and God brings his plan of redemption, you know, to its consummation and conclusion. So you see this whole story of the Bible, and in those statements, anywhere in the Bible you can point to something in that story, that, that account of God's redemption, and, and we've got it right in front of us. And so we're working our way through it, 
And it's interesting to get these highlights, and, and yet I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're at another part of Scripture that, I know people say stuff to me about this, and I say it anyway, but here you go. I just really struggle with Job. I just, I don't like reading it. It's not any fun. And I like fun. You know, I, I like telling jokes. Right? I like laughing. I like enjoying those things. But when we get to this book of Job, we've got this, 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 this tragic character and figure. And we want to understand why this is important for us to know. Now, one of the things that was pointed out when we first started this, thank you, Tim, was that Job is kind of out of place in the, in, in the, in, in the chronology. Job, uh, the description of Job fits more with the patriarchs, the Abraham, Moses, you know, the older past time frame. But because it's wisdom literature and it's poetic in its construction, it's kind of jumbled together there with Psalms and Proverbs and those things. And that's fine. Um, the, the, the thing that what, what we want to notice about it is, why? What is it we need to learn from this? We've got this Sunday and next Sunday in the book of Job. That's how big the book of Job is. It's 40-something chapters. We're going to be right here in, in, in Job 16, but I'm going to point to Job 19 in a minute because as we, as we look at it, I want us to really just to be able to, to discern, to, to be able to see the truths of Job rise to the top, okay? Pray with me. Father, right now we just give you thanks and praise that we get to gather. It's just such a blessing for us to come together on Sunday mornings to celebrate the, 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 the relationship, the fellowship, the walk that we get to have with you all week long. And, and God, I thank you that, that we come together not as, not as those who, who don't uh, seek and discern and, 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 and want to understand truth, which is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, God, we thank you for Jesus and, and the redemption that we have in him because, God, that is the only means of redemption. And so we thank you for that. But God, when we look at somebody like Job, ah, help us to understand. Help us to discern the truths of this character, this figure, this person named Job. God, that we might ap apply those truths in our own lives. God, we give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, one thing I meant to tell you, we're also doing baptism today. You know, I, I, a lot of times I'll say, oh, we got a lot going on today. We got a lot going on every time we get together, y'all, okay? Uh, I will mention this. We, we have added to the staff today. Manisha Henthorne now becomes our 3G core director. And so she will be uh, working alongside Trudy in children's ministry. And so uh, she's back there in the back already now trying to figure out what's going on. And so uh, we look forward to Manisha and the work she's going to be doing in, in children's ministry. She's been working and volunteering, and she's got kids in it, so it'll be interesting. Tyler George, some of you know Tyler and Chloe, and we did Lulu, is that that, Lulu, Ruthie, okay, Whew. too many names since then, but anyway, Mother's Day, we did the dedication, and, and I said last week, I said, Tyler, when are we going to do baptism? He said, well, if we don't do it next Sunday, it'll be end of July. I said, all right, next Sunday it is, so we're going to do baptism over there around 1245 on the beach, so y'all come, if you leave this early, you got time to go eat and still come back. But let's come and celebrate baptism on the beach together, okay? Job chapter 16, Job is answering. 
And I'm going to give you sort of the high points of this after I read the passage. Job answered, I have heard many things like these. <laughs> you are all miserable comforters. How do you like that? And that might be the reason I zeroed in on this verse. You're all just miserable comforters. Is there no end to your empty words? What provokes you that you continue testifying? Well, let's go ahead and say, what provokes you that you keep flapping your mouth? If you were in my place, I could also talk like you. I could string words together against you and shake my head at you. Instead, I would encourage you with my mouth and the consolation from my lips would bring relief. Who is this guy, Job? You know, we, we hear that thing, the patience of Job. And, and I preached on Job during, it's been uh, 10 years ago now, but I was doing a, a whole, I did, I, I guess, a couple of years going through the Bible then where I referred to it as the stars of God's story. And we looked at people in scripture instead of doing it book verse that kind of we did the people and i got to job and i said you know all my life i've heard this patience of job and now that i'm reading job i don't think so i mean job whined and job complained and there's even this this hint we talked about it friday morning there's even this almost hint that job blames god okay so, so who is Job? Job's a wealthy guy. He's got lots of flocks and lots of herds and he's got lots of property and got a big family and lots of servants and he's got all kind of wealth, right? He, he, he's got all kind of respect in the community. As a matter of fact, in chapter 1 it says, there was no greater man among all people in the east. Now, we don't know what the east refers to except that it's east of wherever this is being written and Uz is the land where he's from and Job is the leading character the leading person the leading whatever he is of all the people in his land so 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 let's let, let's kind of get that imagery what i do wrong oh okay oh yeah hey y'all beach service at 10 if you want to go out there kyle's gonna be playing and who's preaching jordan's preaching kyle's playing over there so beach worship at 10 if you're interested you can do too God, yeah, God didn't put a limit on it. Go, go worship more than once. So Job's got wealth. He's got family. He's got respect. He has influence among the people, right? Uh, the description, he's the greatest man among all people of the East. God describes Job as having, in, in, in a picture, he, he says, <clears throat> some translation says he has perfect integrity. That's God's description. Now, when you go look at the word, the, the, the perfect there means, means a, a whole integrity, an intact integrity, a, a complete integrity. It says that he fears God. God says Job fears God. God says Job turns away from evil. And yet we see in the context of the passage and the story of Job that, that Job is tested by Satan and, and with God's permission. Okay, he is tempted to sin. This is the one that mm, his wife says, "Just curse God and die." That's a temptation. Well, yeah, you're right, right? 
Job's story is this. He, he, he had everything that, that the world says is good to have. And in a short amount of time, lost it all. Enemies, tornadoes, hurricanes, whatever, blew across there, whatever. He lost it all. Maintained his personal, individual, physical health. And yet, God Satan to attack that. He's in boils. So, so where do we find Job for the majority of the book? We find Job sitting on an ash pile with boils on his skin, scraping his skin with, with pottery shards for relief. In walks his three best friends. And then they start telling him. Now, i got to tell you this. I mean, they are Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar. You don't see Elihu until the end. But but you've got Job sitting in this ash pile just, just scratching these itchy boils and stuff and, and his friends come and his friends say some things that are actually true about God. They, they actually make some statements about, about the person of God that are true. And, and the assumption then, as now a lot of times is, well, if you're going through all this, Job, then, then obviously you've done something wrong. Obviously, everybody's opinion of you is wrong. We all think you're upright. We all think that you're prosperous because of your, your righteousness. And all, but obviously, now looking at you in the ash pile, you're not. And Job keeps going, no, I, I really haven't done anything wrong. Now, can I explain a truth here? <laughs> That's not true. We're all sinners. We're all broken. We're all fallen. I put this in the gathering in the Word this week. If you don't get the gathering in the Word, fill out a little card in the back of the chair there and check, opt in, gathering in the Word. But I put it in there. You know, you know what we deserve? I mean, the Bible tells us we deserve death. We're, we're sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. Now, I don't believe that there's a direct correlation of cause and effect that, okay, I go over here and, and, and kick the dog that all of a sudden I'm going to trip and break my neck over here. Right? And yet, bad things happen in a broken and fallen world. Bad things happen. And Job's one of those guys that bad things happen in succession to the point where he lost everything he had. To where he's even lost sort of his, his whole sense of, of, of identity. And, and, and yet you still see in there that Job's not lost his hope. So here are the truths that I, I, I feel like we, we really need to lift out of this thing. We do live in a fallen world. Bad things happen, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that bad things happen. Uh, the, the bad things are the result of the fall and ultimately sin. Okay? I, I, I said one Sunday, I said, anybody, I said, everybody look around the room, see the effects of sin. Anybody was looking at me like, there's a sinner in the room. Of course there are. You want, to, you want to see the effects of sin? Look at every gray hair in the room. You see? I mean, the beginning to die is, the, is a production of sin. So yes, bad things happen. We live in a broken and fallen world. 
to some degree, Satan is, 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 has the, the permission almost to test and to try. The thief, Jesus said it, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan's desire is to destroy you. So, <laughs> when the whirlwind tears down your house and the enemy leads off your flocks, and loved ones pass. We live in a broken and fallen world. Don't be surprised. People ask me, say, usually has something to do with the news, which I don't try. I, I really try not to pay a lot of attention to opinion. I just want to know the facts. But they say, can you believe that? And I go, yeah. Can you believe that happened? I go, yeah. I can believe it. People say, well, I just can't imagine people would say something like that. And I go, you know what? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by the corruption in this world. I'm not surprised by the evil in this world. I'm not surprised by the wickedness in this world. These are the truths of the fallen world that we live in. The very creation of God groans for what? Redemption restoration the new heaven the new earth man i i read i read the tragedy of job and i read his his um miserable comforting friends i listen to stuff like that y'all i get to be in those situations where people try to comfort and, and they'll say something and, I, and i'll hear them say something i go ooh, ooh. Don't, don't say it like that don't 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 say that. So so here's what I know that I'm safe in saying when somebody is is in a place of of trial, tribulation, discomfort, hardship, I'll go, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just so sorry that you're going through that." I want to give reason to it. I don't want to give explanation for it. I just want to grieve with you. I want to weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh. So y'all know, and, and I'm going to tell it because he expects me to, but uh, Tuesday a week ago, Eli cut the tendon in his thumb at work. And, and, and when you cut a tendon, it, that, it don't work anymore like it's supposed to. So, so the orthopedic surgeon said we need to stitch that back together. So Eli had surgery Thursday. Now, Eli, they, they gave him some medication. <laughs> anyway. I got a little bit of a video of it, but uh, that's bad daddy, bad daddy. <laughs> but I said, son, I said, you know, and, and, and having to schedule surgery and all that, I said, I said, Eli, I said, I'm sorry. That's what Eli said to me. He said, why are you sorry? You didn't do it. And I said, son, I'm just sorry that you're having to go through it. I'm sorry that you're facing a difficult time. I'm sorry that, that, that there's a struggle, right? So, so that's, that's kind of, I mean, I, you know, they, it's almost like the picture. So first the three friends come and they just sit in silence for seven days. For a full week, they're sitting all around Job in his ash pile and they're all sitting around it and they say nothing. So I'm thinking, that's good. They're just there. They're just being there for him. 
So then Job makes his initial pronouncement, and they start taking some sort of uh, righteous uh, picture of that and just start trying to explain him. Well, look, you think you're all that, but you're not. So, I mean, there's some truths in here that we need to lift out of it and understand that, that there are none righteous. I'm not righteous. I mean, if I face hardship, guess what? There's just hardship to be faced. Some of it I do by my attitudes, actions, and choices bring it on myself. And I know people sometimes, I, inevitably, because I get to be a pastor, people say, Pastor, I'm just, I go, well, tell me about your conversation with God this morning. And I like to make it current. Tell me about your conversation with God this morning. And a lot of times people go, well, you know, I had to be at work. At or I really didn't have time, so, so I just listened to, to Christian music on the way to, to work this morning. Well, no, the question is, in relationship with your Creator, if you're going to find comfort anywhere, that's where you're going to find it. Not in me, not in friends. Now, I can be there for you. I'll sit in silence if you want me to, but truth is nobody expects me to. Okay? So, so as we get through the story of Job and Job's friends, we've really got to pick up on this, this righteous man. I mean, by all accounts, God said he was whole in his integrity. He feared God and he turned away from evil. So, so here's the point that I want us to realize, because next week I think we're in chapters 38 and 39, and, and I forget the exact specific passage there, but we'll still be in Job. But here you go. Job is the account. The book of Job is the account of the man Job's life. Okay? You can't just parachute into some chapter and get an understanding of, of the account, the story that God's telling here. See, God is inspiring, and I believe all Scripture is given by inspiration. God breathed it out. So Job is a message we need, and we need to hear, and we need to learn from it, okay? But God sits above time. And he gives us the whole story in these chapters. He knows the beginning from the end. Okay? And so as he lays it out, we need to understand that God is the one at work to bring Job, to grow Job, to, to establish Job in him, in God. But every commentator I've read said, here's the heart of the story. Here's the point of the whole book. Job says these words in Job 19. I wish that my words were written down. Well, guess what? They are. That they were recorded on a scroll or were inscribed in stone forever by an iron stylus and lead. And then John pointed out that they just found a 3,000-year-old lead tablet with, with iron scratchings on it just this week in archaeology. Interesting, right? But verse 25 kind of communicates the point. But I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the end, He will stand on the dust 
Even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him, get this, and not as a stranger. My heart longs within me. Sitting in the ash heap with boils and scrapings and itching and all this stuff. And he says, look, yeah, I'm suffering. But here's what I know. My Redeemer lives. Man. All right, so here you go. Whatever comfort you need, I'm sorry. But Jesus is alive. And He has given us redemption. He has given us salvation. Guess what? There's suffering in this world. Guess what? There's, 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 there are hard times. Don't... Not to be shocked by them. Surprised. Not, not to, 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 to stand in a self-righteousness of, I don't deserve this, God. Because that's what we hear a lot of times. I don't deserve this. I can tell you. Mm. I promise you, you're not getting what you deserve. The heart of Job. He knows. He knew before he lost it all that his only hope was in God. We know where we sit today that our only hope is in Jesus. There is no other hope. Okay? Paul wrote these words, and I'm going to finish with this, and then we're going to pray. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we hope in the hope and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I know my Redeemer lives. No matter the trial no matter the hardship, no matter the struggle. And in the end, when he stands on my dust, I will see him not as a stranger. Man, can you read Job and be encouraged? Probably not. But I want to encourage you in the fact that God has given us redemption. Okay, that's why the title of the message is to be or not to be the encourager because that's what Job says. Job, said, Job says, if I had the opportunity, I would encourage you. So be encouraged by Job. We're going to get to the end of his story. We're going to see God's 
80-something questions of, of God's uh, omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, his, his sovereignty. We're going to see God say, look, I walked over to the beach this morning. Just, just after studying Job all week, I walked over to the beach this morning. And I said, just in prayer to God, I said, God, you're the one that told it to stop there. God, you told it to stop right there. Thank you, God. So be encouraged by Job, all right? Pray with me. God, thank you. Thank you that, that I can't see the end from the beginning. God, that, that just motivates, that, that provokes me to trust you, to, to have this, this peace with you that we have in Christ by, by faith and, and knowing, God, that, that no matter what we encounter or face or struggle with, that, God, our hope is in you. You are our redemption, God. Jesus, you died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven, that I might be redeemed, that I might be named among the saints. Thank you, God. You loved us first. Now, God, just help us to love you back. God, if there's somebody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, God, we want them to know Jesus this morning. There might be a lost person sitting in here saying, I've never heard that, I've never understood that, I've never, never seen hope in struggle. But God, our hope is not in the struggle, our hope is in the redemption. So God, I just pray for someone this morning that might not know Christ, we want to introduce them. God, there are Christians here in the struggle, I just pray that they would continue to seek your face and walk close to you. And then there's some, God, that just need to be a part of what you're actively doing. And God, if that means being a part of this gathering, then God, we just pray, you just, God, just teach us, show us, call us to obey you this morning. As we sing this last song, we want to worship you, but we also want to respond to you, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.